had a friend in high school who, uh, well, he could be talked into just about anything by whatever girl he was dating at the time. Uh, he would give up friendships. His demeanor, his attitude would change. There were times that I really believe if the right girl asked him, he would have robbed the bank if she asked him to. Just, that's, that's just the kind of sway they had over him. And the truth is, we all have people like that in our lives. Those people who, who know how to push the right buttons and who sometimes uh, have us doing things we swore that we would never do. It just those those people. They, uh, they show up. Last week, in our series on temptation, we, we talked about the source of temptation and how temptation has its source within us. Um, but in that conversation, we also said that there were those who would lead us down that path, that although temptation comes from within us, that temptation has to have a, a tempter. And the Bible is clear that there is one person with the title and work of tempter. And this morning we turn our attention to him and to his weapons that, that he has in this fight we have against temptation. And there, the best scripture for me is in 1 Peter chapter 5. There at the end of Peter's first epistle, he is, he is writing and he gives this warning there starting in verse 8. And he says, be serious, be alert. Your adversary, the devil, is prowling around like a roaring lion, looking for anyone he can devour. Resist him and be firm in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are being experienced by your fellow believers throughout the world. Let's pray. Father God, we come to you right now. We thank you. We praise you for your blessings. Father, we ask right now as we look to your word this morning that you would be with us, that you would move among us, that you would make yourself known. Father, use me as a vessel this morning. May the words that I speak be yours and yours alone. Father, we thank you. We praise you. We ask all these things in the name of your son, Jesus, and for his sake. And all God's people say. Amen. The devil, Satan, whatever name we give him throughout Scripture, is labeled as the tempter. He is the one who, who has that title. Um, we, we see him time and again tempting people. And Jesus' temptations in the wilderness, it's the devil who comes to him. It's the devil who comes and, and twists the words of God and does the things that he does to say to Jesus to try and get Jesus to make a, a bad choice and choose to go against God. In the epistles of John, John there, uh, the elder, labels the devil as the serpent in the garden. Up until that point, he was just known as the serpent. You know, in Genesis, it doesn't say the devil came to Eve. It says the serpent came to Eve. And so up until that point, that serpent hadn't been named. But there in the epistles of John, John the elder says... That devil, the old serpents of old. And so he enabled him there. Many of us, though, mistake the devil's work, especially in our society. There are lots of media, lots of movies and TV shows and books and things that romanticize the devil and have people believing that maybe the devil is somehow the ruler of hell. Have you seen shows like that where he's the king? He's the king and the demons serve him and king and hell is his domain. And they make him out to be somehow um, a powerful deity akin to God. Maybe that he is even the opposite of God. But that's not what scripture tells us of the devil. Scripture tells us of the devil that he cannot be the ruler of hell 
Because hell was prepared for the devil and his angels over in Matthew chapter 25 verse 41. Not only that, over in Revelation chapter 20 verse 10, it says there in the end, the devil and all his lackeys are thrown into the lake of fire and tormented forever. So the devil isn't this all-powerful deity that's akin to God. He isn't the opposite of God. He's a fallen angel. He was created by God. And now he has but one function and one work in this world. And the devil's only real work is the temptation or leading astray of man. That's what the devil does. The devil seeks to find ways to drag us down. If you want to stop a work, the best way to stop a work is to bring down the people who are doing work. And that's what the devil does. The devil spends his time, as Peter says, going around looking for people to devour, looking for people to bring down, looking for people to, to grab onto so that he can bring us to a point where we want to quit where we don't know if we want to do it anymore. Because that's what happens. The devil's actively seeking believers to attack. He is. He's actively roaming around seeking believers to attack. He wants to pull down people who are working for Jesus. Because if you can cripple the people who are working for Jesus, you may have a chance of crippling the church. And that's how the devil sees it. Because the devil knows that whenever we are down and whenever we are out is when we find ourselves in the hardest spot. You know, if the devil isn't attacking you, you might want to check your walk. If the devil doesn't find you important enough to attack, are you walking where God wants you to walk? Because the devil, according to Peter here, is actively looking for believers to bring down. He is actively looking for people who are following Jesus in order to attack them and devour them. He is actively looking to bring people down. If he isn't attacking you, he's not worried about you. Man, I don't want to be the person the devil doesn't worry about. Because if the devil isn't worried about me, whose team am I really on? It's like any other team, you know? I mean, it's like you don't want to be the guy on the team that the other team's like, I'm not worried about that person because, you know, they're going to fumble the ball to give it to us and we're good. You, you, you're counting on them for the mess up. So you want to be the person that the devil looks at and goes, oh, this guy's serious. Because what happens is when you begin living for God and doing the things that, that God wants you to do and you begin to do things in the kingdom and change things and transform things, the devil goes, we have got to stop this guy. You know, I'm, I'm showing my age now, but my favorite artist growing up in the Christian music realm is Carmen. I loved Carmen. Some people are looking at me like, I'm, who is Carmen? You know? <laughs> who is she? Is she the girl with the bananas on her head? No. Carmen was, was an Italian man who did songs, and he sang story songs. And they were powerful story songs. I mean, you start listening to what Carmen was doing, man, and you're jumping up and down because you're going, that's it, yes. And there is one where, wait, where Satan is talking to his, his minions, and he's like, where are we at? How do we do this? And he's like, you know, 
Well, we've got this going on, this going on. He's like, well, well, amp this up over here and take care of them over here and do all these things trying to make sure he's bringing believers down because he wants to disrupt the work of the church. Peter here warns his readers to be serious and alert. The King James says sober and vigilant. The Amplified says sober, alert, and cautious. How would he say that? Because he wants us to be watching for what the devil is doing. He wants us to know how the devil attacks and where the devil is coming from. And he wants us to be on guard. And so we have to ask ourselves, how does the devil work? What are the tools that the devil uses to bring us into temptation? Well, the first and most obvious tool of the devil for temptation is desire. We've talked about this a lot in the past few weeks. About our desire and how our desire is deformed. The desire comes from God. The devil likes to take things that are from God and twist them up a little bit because if you can twist it just a little bit, you might not notice that you're doing what's wrong. That's what the devil does. That's what he did to Eve, right? Because he comes to Eve and he says, did God really say you can't eat of any tree? That's not what God said. God said you could eat of any tree, but you couldn't eat of this one tree. But the devil twisted it just a bit. Just enough that she had to question what it was that God had said to her. And so the devil uses our desire. Even in, in Jesus' temptations in Matthew 4, 3, he comes to Jesus and he says, tell me stones to become bread. Jesus hadn't eaten in 40 days. When's the last time you did that? When's the last time you went more than few hours out Jesus was hungry. You know his desire in that moment had to be for food. Had to be for the things that he needed to his body to live. And, and the devil says, well, if you're the son of God, turn that into bread and you'll be good. The devil likes to work with our desires and to take our desires and, and, and move it around just a little bit. Because it's true. Jesus could turn the stone into bread. But it didn't mean he should turn the stone into bread. And so the devil likes to use our desire. But the second tool that the devil uses for temptation is hardship. Do we remember the story of Job? Job is a righteous man. That's one, of, it's one of those Bible stories we, we have problems with at times, right? Because we go, well, why is the devil in heaven talking to God? That's the story. The devil comes up and he says, well, God, uh, <laughs> it's, let's, let's do this. Like, well, okay. God says, have you seen Job? Dude's pretty good. He's righteous. He does what he's supposed to do. And the devil says, that's just because you haven't had anything back to it. Let me have that. Well, okay. You can go You can go touch his stuff, but you can't touch him. And so they go, and the devil takes away his entire family besides his wife. And she's a peach, let me tell you. Um, he goes and takes away all of his kids, all of his property, everything else. And, and Job doesn't sin. And then he goes back. The devil goes back to heaven. He says, hey. God says, hey, you see, Job passed your test. And God says, well, Okay. The devil said, but it's because you wouldn't let me touch him. 
Okay. Touch it. But you can't kill it. He goes and does it again. And Job still doesn't sin. He goes through all these hardships. The devil's theory there is what? If you go through hardship, you're going to fall into the temptation. That's the, whole, that's the whole point of that first few chapters of Job in the devil's mind was that you're going to fall into that temptation. And even here in our text in 1 Peter 5, Peter speaks of the sufferings believers are experiencing around the world. That, you know, know that you're suffering the same sufferings that everyone around the world is suffering. The devil knows the secret. He knows that we are our weakest when things are hard. That's when he looks for the cracks. When you're tired, when you're hungry, when you're upset, when you're angry, in the hardships. Do you know how hard it is to think when you're tired? How hard it is to think when you're hungry? There's a reason why Jesus was always feeding people in Scripture. Because if, if your stomach is growling louder than your brain is listening, you can't hear what Jesus is going to say. The devil knows that when we're going through hardships, that's when we're our weakest. That's when we may even blame God for what's going on. When they begin to question, we begin to wonder. When, I'm going to Bethlehem, I guess, when gas is $5 a gallon, And half a tank is $60. And you're looking at your gas budget of 100 and praying that God blesses it like he did the fishes and the loaves because there's no other way it's going to last. Those are the times when you begin to get weak. Those are the times that the devil sees the crack. When you're tired, when you're hungry, when the ends aren't meeting, when you're going through hard times, the devil begins to look and say, you know what? There's an opening there. There's a chink in the armor. And I can exploit this. And if I can just exploit this in the right way, I can tear that person down. That's how so many things happen. You see people, public figures, who fall to scandals. They fall to scandals usually because the chink in the armor. They're overworked. They're overstressed. They're doing all these things and they're not feeding themselves spiritually and mentally like they need to. And so the devil says, I can use this. You ever watch The Matrix? There's a scene in The Matrix where Neo is first there in getting trained. And Neo's walking down the road and everybody's wearing black suits and this woman in the red dress comes walking by. And he stops to look, and when he turns around, an agent has a gun in his face. And he said, how did you miss that? Were you looking at the woman in the red dress? That's how the devil does it. He finds those cheeks. He finds those things that make us go. And just for a minute, just for a minute, he finds that weakness. And he uses that hardship because he knows we're weakest when things are hard. But a third tool of the devil for temptation is self-righteousness. Ooh. That one, that's probably his biggest tool in churches today. Because we think we're beyond it. Right? We think that, well, Jesus has saved me, and I've walked with Jesus long enough now that 
I mean, it's okay, I'm good. You know, over in Galatians chapter 6, it says, Brothers, if anyone is caught in any wrongdoing, you who are spiritual shall restore such a person with a gentle spirit, watching out for yourselves, so you also won't be Let me help you through this sinful situation, brother. Because I have all the answers. I'm a part of a group this morning, and one of the new members was introducing himself, and he said, Well, I go to a Southern Baptist church, and he said, And I like most of it, I think they have most of it right, but, but I don't think anybody has all of it right. And I said, Dude, I have all of it right, except for what my wife tells me I have wrong. And honestly, I'm just glad that there are more of us out there now realizing that nobody has it all right. We're all pilgrims on the road together. Because self-righteousness comes in when we look at somebody and we think, I can never fall into that sin. The truth is, it's easy to begin to look down when someone falls and see ourselves as higher. I can, I can never do Truthfully, I've said that this morning. I have said those words this morning. That's where the temptation comes in. It's easy to look at situations we're not a part of that we kind of go, it blows our mind and, and start to look down and say, I would never go there. But we don't know if we're not there. We don't know. We don't know what we would do and how we would do it. We don't know what's going to happen. If we become self-righteous, the devil can use that to damage our relationship with God. Well, you just think you won't go there, Troy. Let me show you. <laughs> let, me, let me just take you down this rabbit hole. Let me take you to where you're at the bottom. Of course, the fourth tool for the devil for temptation is complacency. That I'm just okay with the status quo. You know, I really think our world is in the shape it is today, especially here in America, because we have begun to be complacent for about 30 years. I'm okay with the status quo. You know who hasn't been okay with the status quo? The other side who's been changing everything. That's just the truth. We're told over in Ephesians to not let the sun go down on our anger when we're angry. To not give the devil a foothold. When we're complacent, when we're just okay, when we just say it doesn't matter... The devil thinks, well, if it doesn't matter, this is a chance to, to move you. There was a time when uh, Carrie and I were dating. We went to a movie theater in Brownwood. And I walked outside, and there were payphones back then. These mythical things that there were boxes on you. Yeah, there were payphones. Uh, and I went over to the payphone. 
And somebody left a wallet on the paper. We put a lot of cash in it. I don't, I don't know how much cash. I didn't count. Um, and I took it back. And I gave it to the person. And Carrie looked at me funny. Well, what are they going to do with it? I don't know. We washed a pocket as we walked out the door, but that's, just, that's, not, that's not on me. And then there was a time when Shiloh, Oh, was shallow in Hastings that day. Three, four, two, I don't know. I think it was three. Hastings was closing. I know Hastings, you remember that? Hastings store. They were closing. We were in Midland. And we were looking for, for vinyl records because they had them all on sale. And Shiloh, unbeknownst to us, found a little toy and put it in his pocket. We paid for our stuff and we left. We went down the road and we get about halfway back to the house, which was an hour away. Shallow pulls this thing out. We're like, where did you get that from? We got it from the store. So we turned around. It was fun clearance for 25 cents. Um, we turned around and we drove back to Hastings. And we made him go in there and apologize to the lady behind the counter. She's like, no, it's okay. It's only 25 cents. And I looked at that girl, and I probably was not as nice as I should have been. I said, no, ma'am. It's not okay. It's not okay whether it's 25 cents or $250. I don't want my three-year-old to believe that it's okay to take things that aren't his. We can't be complacent. But then we're complacent, we let the little things go. We say, well, it really doesn't matter. When we do that, they become big things. They become big issues because the devil will start to use it. Well, that 25 cent thing didn't matter. Does this $3 thing really matter? That $3 thing really didn't matter. Does that $10 thing really matter? And we begin to, we begin to find ourselves on this slippery slope. And we have to not be complacent because the devil will use that. And complacency and self-righteousness feed off of one another. Because self-righteous people can become complacent. Well, what I do really isn't as bad as what this person over there does. Remember the prayer that Jesus talks about there where the Pharisee says, Man, God, I worship you when I can. I'm always here at temple. I tithe 10%. I do all the things I'm supposed to do and I'm glad that you made me and I'm not like that guy over there. The guy over there just says, Lord, have mercy on me. I'm a sinner. And Jesus said that and I prayed right. Why? Because this guy over there, he's going to be complacent. He's going to be doing things he's not supposed to do because he thinks he's already made it because of who he is. The final tool of the devil for temptation is our lack of knowledge of Scripture. He uses this to misapply Scripture to lead us astray. He misrepresents God and gives us false ideas of His truth. He quotes Scripture to Jesus during Matthew 4 6 in his temptation. Just throw yourselves down because the Bible says He will give His angels charge concerning you, and your feet, your foot will not hit the ground. You're right. The Bible says that. But Jesus said, it also says, don't tempt the Lord your God. The funny thing about the Bible is, 
We've got to read it as a whole. And if we don't know what the Bible says, we don't know how to, we don't know how to win the argument for someone who's throwing one, one little verse at us. Judge not lest you be judged. Yep. No catch your pearls before swap. That's the second part. But we stop there because we don't know that part. That's why you don't just trust the preacher. so badly. Right? I mean, 
There are times when we wake up and we go, oh. We wake up one or two ways usually every morning, right? We either go, good morning, Lord, or we go, good Lord, it's morning. Those are the two ways we usually wake up. Maybe, maybe you've had a lot of the more of the second than you have had the first way. And you've been getting up just going, I just don't know why. I, just, I don't want another day like that. Now's the day to break free of that and say, Jesus, I'm going to follow you and I know that you're going to, you're going to break these attacks. You are going to give me victory and I'm going to walk in that victory. Maybe you want to pray. The altar's open. I'll pray with you. Maybe you want to start a missions or ministry. Maybe you want to join this church in membership. Maybe this morning you've never known Jesus. Maybe you've never known the one who gives you the tools to fight against the tempter. Maybe you have never known the one who washes you clean and allows you to stand before him. Now's the time. Walk the altar of the Troy. I want to know Jesus, so we'll go from there. But whatever you're at, whatever you need, give it to him. Would you pray? Father God, we come to you right now and we thank you. We praise you for your blessings.